Well, it may be quite the controversy for the University of Michigan, but you got to say it's done a lot for alumni relations. This is an incredible show of support. 900 Michigan alums, according to a piece of the Detroit News by Tony Paul, have stepped up. Some of them date as far back, graduated back in the 50s, uh, and they are joining the legal fight to overturn the Big Ten suspension of Jim Harbaugh. And uh, this is a, a couple of attorneys got together. They called upon colleagues that graduated from U of M law. They said, will you sign this amicus brief? Uh, we say this is a, a violation of due process. They're going to deliver that tomorrow at this hearing that uh, they will have to determine whether or not the Big Ten overstepped. And uh, But my goodness, that's quite the show of support. It, will it make any difference? How do judges weigh those things? Uh, others have weighed in just by offering their support through op-eds, and that includes... Ramon Syed, who is the Clinical Assistant Professor of Law, University of Michigan Law School, and co-director of the Michigan Innocence Project, which we respect so deeply in their work to get wrongly convicted individuals uh, out of incarceration. Uh, Professor Syed, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Uh, just kind of waded through your argument when it comes to, to Jim Harbaugh and how he was treated by the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, as you said, I work at the uh, Michigan Innocence Clinic. We're looking for clues in, in old cases and, and, you know, things that were overlooked, uh, investigations that weren't done. That's kind of my entire job. So when I see that in, in news stories unfolding, whether they're in the criminal law world or somewhere else, it just always piques my interest. And, you know, following the story from the beginning, um, what's what's troubled me and I think troubled most people who are associated with Michigan in any way is there there really seem to be a jump to conclusions here, uh, you know, finding A, B, and C and concluding X, Y, and Z, right? Um, there may well be, uh, you know, a, a lot of fire where there's smoke, but, uh, you know, what was bothering me is that we were jumping to conclusions without investigations. And so that's what inspired me to come out and kind of, you know, Write that op-ed about some of the themes that we've seen in, you know, these very serious wrongful conviction cases where people have been sentenced and put away for 20, 30, even we had a, a client who was put away for 46 years um, yeah. for a crime he didn't commit before that wrongdoing was exposed. We, we don't um, want to compare what they right. have sacrificed and suffered to, to, to a three-game suspension. I, I, I want to make sure that folks understand we're of not course. equating yeah. the two because I know that what, the, the work that you have done is, is incredible. Jamie? Right. That's, you know, real life. This is sort of football, but it does affect Jim Harbaugh personally. What about the argument that even if he isn't directly tied to this, he is the leader of this program, therefore someone has to take a punishment and it's him. Yeah, and and I think were were the NCAA and the Big Ten to reach that conclusion after having completed their investigation, there would be a lot more power to that conclusion. Um we've seen instances of that instances of that. Um here what really bothered me as as an attorney and you know, I think is bothering a lot of people around this is in in their very statement suspending him, they're saying there's no evidence that he did anything, um, but the institution needs to be punished, and they've defined this as the appropriate way to punish the institution. Like I said, if this happened at the end of an investigation where they find not only that some wrongdoing occurred, but are able to identify who at Michigan was responsible for it, um, then under you know the NCAA's rule that head coaches must you know are responsible for compliance at their program, perhaps they could punish him under that, or perhaps there could be additional punishment under 
uh, just the Big Ten sportsmanship policy. But I think uh, getting to that conclusion without uh, fully investigating, and then you know Michigan pointed out that they hadn't seen much of the evidence. They had had evidence described to them, um, but the Big Ten hadn't actually handed over most uh, of the evidence. The Big Ten pushed back and said, well, we did hand over this, you know, some parts of it. But as I was reading their letter suspending Harbaugh, it was, you know, it was bringing back a lot of kind of them just saying, we've given you a summary of what this will show. And, you know, I can't blame someone, uh, and, and certainly not an institution like Michigan, for saying that's not good enough if you're going to take away something that is, you know, a big part of the institution. Um, so I think, I think that's, uh, there's something to that, the, the rule that the head coach oversees the program and is responsible for compliance. But I think we've seen that rule enforced only after a, a full investigation finds significant enough wrongdoing. Because at the end of the day, there is a chance this will turn out to be one rogue staffer who was doing you know, unacceptable things, but without any permission or, or approval of others at the program. Would that still justify a punishment of the head coach for lack of compliance is, a, is an open question, and that's something that can be decided after we have all the facts. And, and you know, I, I think the Big Ten kind of acted outside of that. Armand, do you see that uh, tomorrow when this hearing takes place that, this, that the, uh, the school will get an injunction? You know, uh, TROs uh, and, uh, are very rarely granted. Um, so I've been trying to do my best to educate myself as to how this one might turn out. It seems that they would have the facts to make it happen. Um, you know, it is an unprecedented situation. Uh, so it's it's hard to look back to another university that was in a similar situation and, and see what, what they were able to get. Um, if you were asking me to make the call one way or the other, I, I would think that Michigan will prevail and uh, the punishment will be on hold in one way or another. But this isn't, you know, it's interesting because all the armchair attorneys on social media and elsewhere are saying, oh, he's been denied due process, blah, blah, Well, okay, but these aren't criminal charges. Mm-hmm. This is happening mm-hmm. because the Big Ten operates by its own policies, protocols, standards, rules. Yeah. It's, it, and, and so are we, are we misapplying a lot of legal principles to something that is not a criminal law matter? You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is the uh, kind of the most frequent pushback that, that has been uh, given here. People say, well, this is just not a legal case. Why are you bringing legal standards into this? Um, but, you know, the way I've answered that is, remember, nothing is a legal case until it is. Um, your relationship with your employer is not a legal case unless you feel some standards are violated. Your, you know, breach of contract, all of these things arise because a non-legal relationship has turned into something that's a violation of your rights. And so in this situation, um, the, the the grounds that Michigan is making is that they have a contractual right with their coach. Their coach has a has a property right in his job, and both of those are being interfered with without due process. And, you know, I'm not talking about due process in a constitutional sense, which, of course, applies to governments. But here, uh, organizations, even private organizations, if they if they deal with their employees in a way that violates their policies, that gives people legal causes of action. So uh, that's what Michigan is saying has happened here. And, and, you know, of course, they've got to prove their allegations as well. Uh, all we're talking about right now is putting the punishment on pause while sure. both sides kind of go back not, and try to He's prove. not an employee of the Big Ten, but he is subject to their standards. Right. And that's voluntary. 
right? Right. It's voluntary for Michigan to be subject to Big Ten standards, of course. Um, what, what Michigan's argument uh, boils down to here is we're willing to abide by your rules, but you're misapplying your rules. And one, uh, I think, quick example that they give, Michigan you know, points to the Big Ten policy that says once the NCAA reaches a conclusion as to whether violations occurred and what uh, punishment should be, the, NCAA, uh, the Big Ten has the right to impose additional punishment. But that rule makes clear that it's subsequent to the NCAA investigation. Right. And I thought it was really telling that in the letter where they're suspending Harbaugh, the Big Ten notes that Michigan made this argument but never really answers it as to why the word subsequent to doesn't apply here, why they're getting ahead of the NCAA punishment. So in some ways, as Michigan has said, they're violating their own policies in how they're treating Michigan, a member institution, and Harbaugh, an employee with whom they have a contractual relationship. So when an outside party like the Big Ten interferes with a contract you have with your own employee, mm-hmm. you might you might well have a legal case. Mm-hmm. Vermont, we need to wrap this up again. I just ask you very, very quickly, how many law professors right now in Ann Arbor are saying, boy, this is a great case study and I'm going to be teaching it for the next 10 <laughs> yeah, right. years? Yeah, uh, I think certainly anyone teaching contract law, uh, various you know labor law. I took a sports law class actually when I was at Michigan, so I know this will be talked about for, for a long time. <laughs> You'll have the student's attention, that's for sure. It is compelling. <laughs> right, right. All right. Absolutely. Uh, Irman Syed, clinical assistant professor and also uh, the co-director of the Michigan Innocence Clinic. And you can read his op-ed in the pages of the Detroit News. Just click on opinion. And we thank you for being with us, Professor. Have a great day, and hopefully we'll get all this sorted out so we can get back to enjoying football. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And one whale of a season that Michigan is having. Uh, When we come back, have you guys felt like that you have had maybe a little bit more brain fog, a little bit more fit, mental fatigue than normal. On Mondays. Or do you know people that are suffering from that? <laughs> After pregnancy, yes. <laughs> this is what my wife used to call baby brains. Yeah. Well, it, it apparently it's a much bigger problem. In fact, more Americans are reporting brain fog. It's at a 15-year high. So why? Why are we having cognitive challenges? That's next at 849 on News Talk 760.